Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Repatha.com or call 1-844-REPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Repatha. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. <laughs> Hey guys, this season we joined the Stitcher family of podcasts and we've got a fun project for you. We're making a brand new stinger. That's the musical logo that we play at the end of each episode and we want to include your kids' voices. All right, so here's what you got to do. Play this little clip for your kids. Stitcher. All right, got that? Next, record a voice memo of your kid singing this back to you. We want them to have fun with this. They can like boop-de-boop the melody or make those little bubble noises with their mouth, whatever they want. Once you've got your voice memo recorded, email it to us at hello at longestshortesttime.com with the subject Stitcher, and your kid's voice might wind up on our show. Thanks. You know how sometimes you're in the car or something and and a song that you love comes on and and you just start belting out the lyrics, but you have no clue what they're about? Weezer songs are like that for me. Summer Elaine and Drunk Dory. Like, what's even going on there? It was the last day of school, last day of my daughter's second grade. They were having a party by a pool at one of the kids' house, and my daughter's teacher was there. This is Rivers Cuomo. He's the lead singer and guitarist for Weezer, and he wrote Summer Elaine and Drunk Dory inspired by that teacher. She told the story that her husband has two names for her. There's the school year Elaine, who's super stressed out and scary, and then there's Summer Elaine, who's totally relaxed and fun. And this is the last day of school, so she's turning into Summer Elaine. And then one of the other moms was there and said, oh, yeah, my husband has two names for me. And the second one of which is Drunk Dory, because when I drink, I'm tons of fun. This is a song that I just love to sing along with. And and just from listening to the song, there's, there's no way I could have known that that line came from Rivers Cuomo's experience as a dad. The only way that I do know that is because Rivers Cuomo told the story on one of my favorite shows, Song Exploder. If you guys don't know this show, you've got to check it out. 
Song Exploder is made by Rishikesh Hirway. He's a musician and writer. And in each episode, he gets a songwriter or band to unfold the story behind one of their songs. Rishikesh mostly cuts his own voice out of the show. So you're mainly hearing the musician explain why they made the song and what went into it. Rishi's guests break their music down piece by piece. So you get to hear each track individually. Like you've got the drums, the synth, the horns, the vocals. And you learn why they chose this particular type of distortion. Why they laughed in this one part. Why they chose these lyrics. And and listening to Song Exploder for years, I've noticed something. Um, I've noticed that a lot of the time people are talking about how their songs and their ideas come from their family lives. Like from being a parent and being the kid of parents. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hilary Frank. Today, Rishikesh Hirway gives us a close look at the family stories from Song Exploder. These stories are so much fun, and they cover a crazy range of musical genres. And what's so cool is that it does not matter if you're playing Americana or hip-hop or death metal. Everybody comes from a family of some kind. Now, Rishikesh is not a parent himself. He and his wife have decided that having kids is probably not for them. But family is important to him, and he's got some great stories about growing up with his own parents. And that is where we'll begin. Rishikesh grew up in Peabody, Massachusetts, but his parents were born in India. They actually met through an arranged marriage. At the time, Rishi's dad was working on his PhD in the States, but word got around that there was this eligible girl in India who might be a good match for him. So he flew back. Somebody had written a letter to someone about, I think at the time they were talking about my mom's older sister, but then by the time they actually figured it out, my mom's sister had already gotten married. So they're like, well, there's another sister. <laughs> and, uh, and that was my mom. <laughs> um, and I know that my mom was uh, nervous about the whole thing because her family had been receiving potential suitors. Um, and, uh, and my mom, as far as Indian women go, she's relatively tall. And, uh, and, the, and the guys who kept coming by the house were like, several inches shorter than her. <laughs> and, um, and, and that was the kind of thing that was like important to my mom. You know, my mom was like, Oh, please no, no more. I can't do this anymore. Like, please don't make me go talk to any more like tiny men. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but so my dad came uh, to the house and my, um, my grandfather received him. And I think my mom was so over it. She was like, tell him I'm sick. I'm going to just stay up in my room. And then you let me know if he's like worth a damn or anything like that. Rishi's grandparents grilled the potential groom for a while. And they decided he was actually this really sweet, polite guy. And crucially, they confirmed he was taller than Rishi's mom. And then my grandmother went back up to like my mom's sister's room, my aunt's room where my mom was hanging out, hiding. And she was like, no, he's, this is a good one. (laughs) You should come down. And my mom was like, okay. (laughs) And they got married. And and did it work out or are they, are they still together? They are still together and they are totally reliant on each other. They're really two halves of um, one, one entity that my sister and I call mom, dad, (laughs) all one word. (laughs) I love that. After they moved to Massachusetts, Rishi's dad got a job as a food scientist. He worked for a hot dog company, making sure everything was up to FDA standards. His mom worked at Sears. 
Rishi's sister, Priya, is five years older than Rishi. And he says that growing up, he almost thought of Priya as a third parent. When Rishi was still a toddler, Priya would come home from school and make believe that she was his teacher. They were just pretending, but Rishi actually learned to read that way. Did you grow up with with music in the house? Um, my parents are music lovers. They're not they're not musicians. Um, I I love my mom's voice, and she um, she used to sing all the time when when we were growing up. But she doesn't have any kind of musical training, and my, my dad is definitely not musical at all. But they would always play uh, Indian music all the time. We had like a whole huge library of um, cassettes that they would get. They would get like dubs of Indian songs from whatever different Bollywood movies and stuff. Um, I was really into that stuff, like the, the 60s Bollywood soundtracks. When he was seven, Rishi's parents signed him up for piano lessons. He loved it right away, but... We didn't have a piano. Um, we we couldn't afford one. We couldn't get... And then we didn't have the space in our house for like a real piano. So, uh, so eventually I had like this little Yamaha uh, keyboard. And so I would, I would practice on that instead. Um, I remember actually... Uh, before we had that, my sister um, had done this really sweet thing where she she drew like a piano keyboard on a piece of paper, you know, with like the white keys and the black keys. And and uh, and she drew that so I could practice on that when I first started playing piano because we didn't have anything. And so I would like do my lessons so sweet. like playing, playing, you know, putting my finger on the piece of paper. Rishi grew up to be a singer songwriter performing as the 1 a.m. radio. But his main project these days is a hip-hop group called Moors. He makes the beats. So I read an interview with you where you mentioned that your parents listened to every single episode of Song Exploder yeah. and, and also everything else that you do. Um, what are their feelings about you having become a musician professionally and and just like what do, what do they think of your work? I think, um, I th- you know, they've been great parents. They've always been super supportive of me. Like I would play my, my band would come play, you know, on tour, we'd play some weird punk venue. My parents are like, Oh, it's my son's concert. So they would like get dressed up and my dad would be there in a tie and my mom would be there in a sari, you know, in like a punk rock <laughs> at a punk rock show. And, you know, I, I remember going into their car one time coming to visit them and, uh, and they had those, the seat, like my CD on in the car, you know, when they started the car, that was really sweet. Um, like they were choosing to actually listen to it, but, but they always expected it to be a hobby and not my profession. They had a lot of friends, Indian friends, I think saying to them, like, why is Rishi doing what he's doing? Like, why isn't he, you know, why isn't he in medical school? Why isn't he an engineer or a lawyer? He, he could be making a lot of money. Rishi was able to support himself by touring and recording, though. And there was a specific moment that his parents realized things were going well for him. They felt like they could relax um, because I had a like I had a song and a uh, commercial. What commercial was it in? It was a Pontiac commercial. And uh-huh. uh, that was something they could understand. Like they could understand, OK, this is on TV and there's a there's a check that comes with it. And I was able to, like, you know, use that money to like invest in buying an apartment. And so I think they, once they were able to see that, like, you know, the perseverance paid off, then they were able to relax a little bit more, even though I still wasn't making very much money. They were like, okay, something is coming of this. So now they seem like totally on board and, and, and really proud of you. 
And, you know, I, I read that there's this test um, that you put all of your Song Exploder episodes to. You call it uh, like the mom test, right? To, to like test if your episodes are going to be interesting enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when you're talking, two musicians are, are talking to each other, it can get really nerdy really quickly. And one of the things I'm always thinking about is like, where does my, my mom, who I know lis- is listening to the podcast, what will she understand and what, sh- what won't she understand? You know, I, if somebody's talking about an arpeggio in music, you know, it's like, it's not a very like crazy advanced term for, for music, but my mom might not know what a, an arpeggio is. But, um, but if there's music, if there's music in the episode where they're saying, oh, and then I wrote an arpeggio, then one of the things that that kind of, that mom test does for me is, um, I'm, I'll think, oh, right, I should, I should show what the arpeggio is that they're talking about. I, you can't just like breeze by it. And so I'd include, I'll include a little clip demonstrating that musical term. Can you just get for, for people listening right now who don't know what an arpeggio is, could you sing it? Um, an arpeggio is like, well, here it's like, uh, instead, if this is a C chord, then an arpeggiated C chord is, so our, you know, might be like, that's an arpeggiated C chord. I love that you have a keyboard right in front of you. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm in my studio. So all my musical instruments are around me. Um, and that's my, oh, wow. and, uh, and, and that, <laughs> now I do have a piano and that uh, I got it last year. And that was kind of a big day for me and also for my family that I could say to my mom, like, look, I finally have like a real piano here at home. When we come back, Rishikesh and I are going to explode some songs. We'll start with one that was written by a couple of extremely unlikely soccer dads. Stay with us. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. We are back with Rishikesh Hirway, the creator of the podcast Song Exploder. I want to start off with one of my favorite episodes that Rishikesh produced. It's the one that he did with Metallica about their song Moth Into Flame. So in this episode, Metallica's lead guitarist, James Hetfield, and drummer Lars Ulrich talk about how they've lost a bunch of friends to drugs and alcohol. The song's about how toxic fame can be. Seduced by 
Rishi's interview with them kind of takes a turn, though. Um, here's Metallica's drummer, Lars Ulrich, talking about a typical day in the band. We drop the kids at school at 8.15, 8.30, down at the studio at 8.45. And then we'll work till 2 o'clock, till we got to go pick the kids up and start driving them around to all their um, afternoon activities and all that stuff. The time is too precious, and we, we spend enough time touring and traveling and and we just want to be there to see the kids grow up and all that stuff. So it's like, we have to be home. That was a drummer of Metallica, Lars Ulrich. Um, and, and I love this because it's about like one of the most boring parts about being a parent, like just the logistics. I, I have a friend who calls this stuff um, the most boring action movie ever, like the, <laughs> the ushering your kids around thing. Right. So what, was it surprising to you to hear like these metal guys talking about chauffeuring their kids around? I loved it. I loved that, you know, Song Exploder is really a process show. And so I'm, I was asking them about all the different parts of like how the song gets made. And, you know, now having done Metallica for the last 30 something years as their career, they've had to evolve their process to fit the other parts of their life. And they said that the way they made this album was different because they did get to have like these breaks where they would stop and, and take their kids to dentist appointments and, and soccer games. Um, and then they would come to, and they approached their music like kind of like a job, the way that anybody with kids would, I thought it was really fascinating and a great, um, insight as to how this band that still makes like super heavy music, um, that, their art is also still a part of like a greater, a life that exists outside of that. By the way, if you like Metallica as much as our editor, Peter Clowney, he says, you've got to check out these amazing videos of their bass player, Robert Trujillo, playing with his 12-year-old son, Ty. Right now, apparently, Ty is actually playing with Korn in their South American tour. The kid has this amazing rock star hair and, and he just shreds. We will link to some of those videos on our website. You're welcome, Peter. So I, I want to talk about Cranes in the Sky. It's a song by Solange. And she says that at the time that she was writing it, there were some pretty big upheavals in her life. What was going on for her? She was going through a breakup with the um, father of her child. And her son was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot going on. Let's, let's hear a clip from that show. I tried to drink it away I tried to put one in the air I tried to dance it away I tried to change it with my hair At the time, I was definitely in a transitional place in my life. I was a new mother had been with my son's father since we were 13. And so much of my identity was grounded in our identity. And I also had just moved back home to Houston from Idaho. My son's father went to college there. And so we kind of uprooted and lived in the middle of nowhere. So it was kind of my homecoming. And I had also just signed my publishing deal as a songwriter, which was a huge milestone for me. But it was this 
really, really hard series of things that were just like delivered that were just like, it's time to grow the fuck up. And there were times that I felt like, whoa, I'm doing what I love to do and what I've always wanted to do. Why do things still feel so heavy? What is this weighing on me? What is this that I'm trying to work through? So that was Solange talking about her song, Cranes in the Sky. And in that episode, Solange says that the title of that song actually came from all the real estate development happening in the city around her. Like the the construction cranes everywhere became this symbol of all the upheaval and transition that she was feeling. Well, it's like cranes in the sky. Sometimes I don't want to feel those metal clouds. So, Risha Cage, there, there's this awesome three-part harmony in that song um, that Solange says actually represented specific people in her life. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I'd asked her about this moment um, that I love where the perspective changes in the track. Um, because for the most part, she's singing, you know, first person, I tried to drink it away, etc. And in this one moment, she says, like, I cried it away. But then the backing vocals say, don't you cry it, baby. I'll cry it away. Don't you cry, baby. She was um, channeling her mom and her aunties when she sang that. My mom always has this thing about the third day getting up, you know, and your sadness and existing and your shit and your funk. She's always, since we were kids, allowed us two days to mope and stay in bed and have our little pity parties. But on that third day, you get your ass up and you ride and you decide, like, okay, this is what it is and now I have to exist. And so that line specifically comes from that. That's like my mom, my Aunt Vernell, and my Aunt Janelle in three-part harmony telling me to get your ass up. <laughs> Don't you cry, baby. The record's been kind of heralded as as a beautiful piece of art for um, for like sisterhood and for black womanhood. But I didn't realize when I was asking that question that that would be what was behind it. She was like, me and my sister. And I'm like, hmm, this is a story about Beyonce. That's <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> so cool. It's like she made this this little like personal supportive women's choir for herself. Yeah, exactly. Because that's why I, was, I thought it was so neat that it's her own voice is singing that. It's not like she brought in backing singers. It's still this internal dialogue. The other, the other cool thing in that song is that Solange has this like heart part that's meant to be this like majestic legion of strong women, but there's something special about the instrument that she used there. Yeah, it's a, it's a toy. It's not a real harp. It was a little harp sound that came from, from like a, I think a Fisher Price keyboard or something that they got at Toys R Us. And I think there was some intention of maybe replacing it, but then there was no need because it's it had its own kind of magic. So you also spoke with um, Dustin O'Halloran, who composed the theme song to the TV series Transparent. So we're going to hear a clip of that show. My mom was part of this hippie Methodist church, and I was probably about six or seven, and I had really wanted to learn piano, and my mom didn't really have much money, and so she got the church organist to teach me after Sunday service. 
It's ultimately the instrument I feel most connected to. So that was definitely the centerpiece of the score. The opening titles are just nostalgic because it's all these old VHS clippings of bar mitzvahs and, and parties and childhood. And, you know, it's about this family, this deep family history and all of these secrets that are sort of unlocked during the course of the of the story as it unfolds. That was Dustin O'Halloran talking about the theme song to the TV show Transparent, which he composed. Dustin says that he originally wrote a completely different version of this song, but was trying too hard with it. And, and ultimately, he decided to keep it simple and just connect back to what he knows. I always find that I kind of have to do one really bad version or something that isn't good to get to the good stuff. And sometimes that's actually a good way to start is to do something that doesn't work because knowing what doesn't work actually helps you figure it out. Usually I just sort of try to put myself into a place where I can connect with what they're looking for. And I think that me and my mom and my brother growing up in the 70s and me learning to play piano and we're pretty tight family and, and we have been through a lot of really difficult times as well. And watching these images because, you know, these, these opening images are all sort of very innocent, but in the series there's a lot of really intense secrets that sort of come out through the whole family. The loss of innocence is really what I was connecting with. I didn't realize that his that Dustin's own personal history would have played in so much to a song like this because this was a piece of music that was made in service of an, somebody else's project. It's the theme song for the show Transparent, and and that's a show about kids and parents. Um, the fact that he was able to take some of the themes from that show and then and then look through that lens into his own life and find inspiration. I thought that was really beautiful and a really um, surprising set of facts behind the music. In a minute, a rapper crying in his underwear in his mama's house. Don't go away. (laughs) Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. 
The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. We are back with Rishikesh Hirway. There's an episode Rishikesh made with Tao Wen of Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down about her song, Astonished Man. Now, this song turns out to be all about her dad. Tao says that growing up, she completely adored her father, but he was a pretty chaotic guy, like in and out of Tao's life for a lot of her childhood. And then when Tao was 11 or 12, her dad finally just left. Tao says her dad is still alive and out there somewhere, although the two of them aren't in contact. But recently, something happened that made Tao see that relationship in a totally new way. Here's Tao describing that moment of epiphany. I was reading uh, Marilyn Robinson's novel, Gilead, and there is this character who is a black sheep or an outcast of his family, and he's returned after several years of being completely out of touch. And he's about to leave again and basically break his father's heart. And there's this passage where he's asking forgiveness from a a family friend. Then he stopped and looked at me and said, you know, I'm doing the worst possible thing again, leaving now. Glory will never forgive me. This character and the way that he's developed and rendered struck me so deeply And it reminded me so much of my dad in this one passage in particular. Sort of brought me closer to understanding my dad and gave me a kind of compassion and a curiosity about him that I hadn't entertained before. Wondering what kind of person he had been all these years that I didn't know him. And I just started weeping. And I immediately started writing Astonished Man. That was Tao Wen of Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down talking about her song, Astonished Man. So Rishikesh, why did you ask Tao to take apart this particular song? I I thought, you know, every song for me starts off basically sonically. I'm wondering if there's a story in there um, and not necessarily knowing what it might be about. Um, um, I listened to the record and that was the song that like jumped out immediately to me as my favorite. And so it was only when we started to get into the into the actual interview that it turned out that there was all this depth and um and experience about her father i I had no idea that that was what the story was going to be when we started the call and tao talked to you about the ways that the drums in the song represent her feelings about her relationship with her father i overemployed the term fucked up because there, I, I, in a way, it felt like it was the most accurate thing to say. It was the thing that communicated it the most effectively. Super blown out. I wanted to kind of eat you up. I wanted the drums to be the first thing that was felt and the thing that would hook you in. Jason Sloda is our drummer, who's incredible. She wrote this song um, thinking about the idea of forgiveness as it kind of gets expressed in that book and then how she might apply it to her own life and her own, her own father. When I wrote this song, the first 
lyric I wrote, it's at the beginning and end of the song, is I must find and capture an astonished man. I must find and capture an astonished man, hold him till he knows he is forgiven. Which is in part inspired by Marilyn Robinson's writing is one who would be astonished with the amount of forgiveness that could be afforded him. That kind of astonishment that, that in the end, people would still come looking for him and, and want, you know, a part of him. I really love that interview. I love the conversation I had with, with Tao and I love that story. I hadn't read the book. So I went out um, recently and I got it and, uh, and <laughs> I had this um, strange experience where um, afterwards, after starting the book, just like when you watch movies on the plane and stuff like you have a different emotional experience, I think when you're airborne. Um, and, Definitely. Yeah. And when I, when I landed, um, I came home to my wife and I was like, I feel like something in me got dislodged in terms of that sense of permanent feeling about not wanting to have kids. And I kind of got scared of it. I was like, I need to put this book down because it's messing me up. Wow. It made you question it. Yeah. Like I was reading this thing and it was so sweet and I, and I felt such a empathy for the, for the narrator, for the, for the main character and the tenderness that he felt for his, for his son and the kind of relationship that you're just getting from his perspective, because it is not a dialogue. It's a monologue. It's just like this long letter. And uh-huh. there's sort of a sense of like, well, you might not understand this yet, or you don't know this yet about me, but I hope that by the time you read this, you know, you will. And, um, I, I was seeing myself potentially as like that kind of father having a kid and having that kind of relationship. And, um, and I liked it. I, I kind of wanted it for a second. I was like, this is, uh-huh. <laughs> I could, I could imagine that it, but it freaked me out a little bit because I know that's actually, that's not actually what I want. Um, it was just, uh, you know, it was just, um, this, this part of me kind of getting tempted out by the book. <laughs> now you also interviewed the rapper bus driver. Um, you talked to him about his song worlds to run. So let's hear a clip from that. That refrain, I can run the world from my mama's house. I can run the world from my mama's house. I can run the world from my mama's house. I can run the world. It was really kind of drawing from Milo's sentiment when he comes in to the song, or at least what I interpreted as the, the sentiment. Just the feeling of it, just... Crying in my underwear, I lost my sense of wonder there. Crying in my underwear, I lost my sense of wonder there. Just kind of this dealing with very personal matters, you know, you know, holding things close to the chest. And the only thing I can think of was my mom and trying to make things happen in agency. I was trying so desperately to like find like the heart in something that seemed so declarative and tough. Like I can run the world from my mama's house. Like I can, you know, like I can do it if I try, you know. I can run the world from my mama's house. I can run the world. That was Bus Driver talking about his song, Worlds to Run. So, so Rishikesh, what was it about this song that resonated with you? Bus Driver is an incredible rapper. He's an incredible lyricist. And then also his delivery is amazing. But he's hyper articulate and, and really smart. And this song in particular, I felt like had... Um, it felt like it might have some real emotional weight to it. I got that from listening to it. So I I wanted to ask him about where it came from um, in case, 
you know, there was emotional weight behind it for him too. And, and with a rapper like that, I wanted to go in and dissect the lyrics sort of line by line. And I, and I love that he pulls in this like very specific fact about his daughter being old enough to vote. I know I'm getting older. I know this is going to come to an end, but it's a good state of mind to filter in through songs. But yes, my daughter is old enough to vote, so I put that in there. Driver old this, my daughter old enough to vote. My daughter old enough to vote. <laughs> Just kind of, once again, like a boast, like I say it in a boastful way. Driver old as fuck, my daughter old enough to vote. Rap songs blowing up on the coast. Like, what? You What? That's not cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you got an old ass kid? Wait a minute. <laughs> you know? I guess that's our writing style. Aggressive bravado behind ridiculous things to say. I'm talking about my mother and my daughter. You know, I'm touching on the core of my existence. And I, I wanted to be personal and personable and reveal something about myself because I thought the song was so beautiful. It needs something. But um, getting personal in songs is uncomfortable for me. Like, I try to make sure people don't know it's me. You know what I mean? Like, that's how my act started. A stylistic mask, you know. But my writing style has changed and I try to put my heart into it. And so I try to bleed it out more. And I was really focused on home for the song. <laughs> that was really a thing with me. Has has your approach to music changed as you've gotten older? Um, it has. There's a lot more pressure, I think, now than than when I first uh, when I first did it. Like at the beginning, I think I was like, I'm just doing whatever, and. Um, just because I couldn't help it and this is what was going to come out. And then I think as I got a little bit older and a little bit more experienced about music and started to feel some of this pressure of it because it was the thing I wanted to do with my entire life, um, I started to feel this pressure of like doing it the right way. You know, that like the way the things that had come before, I couldn't do it like that because if I wanted to be serious about it, I have to approach it in a serious way. Um, the nice thing about doing Song Exploder has been learning that the, the idea of like doing things in a right way is kind of a myth. And, um, and there was something really special about when you first make music and you aren't paying attention to the, like any idea of like rules and th things just come out. Then sometimes they're weird and they don't necessarily always work. But, um, like I used to think, oh, it needs to be recorded with like great microphones. It needs to be made in like a, a real studio, all these things that I didn't have access to. And that was kind of like the hallmark of, or those were the ingredients in like truly successful songs. Doing Song Exploders showed me that that's not the case at all, you know, like that some of the musicians who I think of being like these monolithic um, artists, it turns out they're just doing, they are doing the same thing that I used to do when I was first starting out, which is just like making something, making it work with whatever they have around them with, you know, drawing on inspiration from whatever's in their life. You know, um, as you're saying that, I'm picturing... Um so, you know, Jimmy Fallon does um, the thing where he has like the musicians come on and they sing and then like the roots are there behind him and they have like toy instruments. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the first one he did it with was Call Me Maybe. Uh -huh. um, and like one of the guys in the band is playing a toy xylophone. And I played it for my daughter and and we figured out like what that melody is that, that the that, that the musician is playing on Call Me Maybe. And so she's learned it and she can do it. And she now says, like when she hears that song, I could be a backup musician in that band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really amazing. I mean, it, definitely the idea of being a musician was not something that 
I considered to be like a viable path until I was in my 20s. Um, the idea that like your child could actually even conceive of that at this age is really amazing. I kind of, I'm, I'm jealous of that because I wish, I think that if I had understood that earlier, I might have gotten a head start on things. You guys want more Song Exploder, right? This podcast is one of my go-tos, and today we gave you just a tiny sampling. You can find full versions of all the episodes we talked about today at songexploder.net. Also check out great new episodes with Amy Mann and Gorillas. We've got links to all this stuff at our website, longishfortestime.com, and to some of Rishikesh's own music. And if you're hungry for more Longest Shortest Time conversations about music, check out episode 25, where I talked to punk rocker Bry Webb, who quit music after becoming a dad and then came back to it to find his voice was entirely different. We've also got an episode about a music teacher whose infant son hates lullabies. That's episode 46. And then we have a lullaby in episode 84 that was written by a couple that does not want to be parents at all. Again, that's longestshortesttime.com. And while you're there, take a moment to tell us how your kids or your parents inspired something that you created or how a piece of art or music changed the way you thought about family. Let us know in the comments for today's episode. That's episode 121. This episode was produced by me, Hilary Frank, with Kristen Clark and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Layton Brown. We also used music today by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado, Antonia Akatunde, and Rekha Murthy. Special thanks this week to Rishikesh Hirway and Christian Coons. Next week, on The Longest Shortest Time, we hear from a lady whose family kind of snuck up on her. And it all started with a text from a guy she had never met. I think he must have seen my Facebook or something along those lines, but I've got to tell you, he's never really admitted to how this all went down. Do not miss this show, you guys. It's a really fun one. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We post all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff and great articles there. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Tell us anything about your family. Right now, we especially want to hear about all the weird texts that you've gotten from your parents. Send us your misunderstandings, your guilt trips, your autocorrect gone awry. Tell us everything. Go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. smelling author and unaccredited love and marriage expert, Maribel May. It's 1963. Do you know where your husband is? Let me put the spark back in your marriage with my audio lecture series, The Complete Woman. Take your marriage from boring to soaring in a few stupid steps, guaranteed to work, or your husband's money back. The Complete Woman is available now on Earwolf. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your shows. And if you just can't get enough, you can find the Complete Complete Woman series, including Complete Joy and The Complete Man, at stitcherpremium.com slash complete. 
Oh, my veal balls are ready. Toodaloo! Stitcher The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.